All right, guys. So welcome to Tariq Time. Um, this is Memher Dani, Canada's very own historian. Uh, he's going to go through, what are we talking about today, Danny? We're just going through like the general history of Tigray today, just as a, just as a start. General history. Okay. So they, they have to wait to see the details? Yeah. Yeah. In the next coming Tariq Time episodes. Okay. All right. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I'm not going to stay on. I don't want to fool any of you guys. I'm not a historian like Danny. So I'm just doing the introduction. And then... Let's just uh, be clear. I'm not a historian either. I'm, I'm just like an amateur enthusiast. Yeah, I call him, I call him a historian. Uh, <laughs> but um, he knows much more than me. So yeah, I'm just going to do the introductions and then I'll hop off. And um, some of you guys who are on Clubhouse know Uncle uncle uh he will be on here too co-hosting with with memher danny so stay tuned it's gonna be a very fun episode uh if they if they don't talk about something that you have like a burning question about just drop your questions in the comment section and um or in the question box let me see is there even a question can you can they see question box i don't know if they'll answer you but uh, yeah can you guys see one is there one oopsie daisy Almost dropped my phone there. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not sure. Let me know. I can't see comments. So let me what, let me know what the people in the comments say. Yeah, some, someone in the comments tell me that yes, they say yes, there is a, a question box. Okay, okay cool. cool. Okay, so yeah, guys, if you have questions, put them in the question box or the comments. Uh, Uncle will be, let me send this actually to him. I'm not sure if he's even in here. Oh, boy. I can remember his at. Uh oh. Anyways, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna be fun, guys. It's gonna be really fun. Um, what was the other thing? Oh yeah, I wanted to say. So these guys, like, they take a lot of time out of their life because they're really interested in history. They do a lot of research. It's not like you know. A lot of us who, uh, who you know, we talk to our parents and our friends and like that's the extent of the history that we know. So I'm no shame to that either. I mean, I'm definitely in that boat um, up until just a little while ago. So but anyways, yeah, that's why we're here. You know, um, obviously what's going on back home uh, is like horrible. And so a lot of us, uh, we wish we knew a lot more of our history before this, but it is what it is. We're here now. We're going to learn today and every second Sunday. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's it. Maybe, Uncle, if you're in the comments, can you uh, can you request to join? I think, Danny, you'll see the request even mm -hmm. before I hop off. Let me see if I can add it to him. Everybody excited? I mean, I'm really excited and I'm not even doing the lessons, so. <laughs> Let's see. Oh. Hello, Miss Lul. Oh, that's another one of Ottawa's finest. Ottawa's finest. Sion Tekle. 
Herit Mbaye. I don't know if I said that correctly. Heriti. Oh, Heriti. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got Tagaru link up in here. Okay. Oh. Lili. Shout out to Lili. Oh my God. Why can't I find... He hasn't requested to join yet? No, no. I haven't gotten any requests yet. Do, do, do. Hold on. I will find it. Hiab. Hopefully I said that correctly as well. Oh, thank you, Fana. She just messaged me something very useful. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay. All right. Okay, I sent it to him. Okay, guys. So what's everybody excited for? I can't read the comments. So, Danny, you're going to have to tell me. But Yeah. Write, write in the comments what you guys are excited for. Uh... I'm so annoyed. I can't. Oh, I see. He's saying he can't. Okay, Uncle, get get out and come back in, and you'll see the request button. Oh, I I have it on my laptop now because I'm so thirsty to read the comments. But <laughs> I see what she said. She's gonna go post it and come back. Okay. That's great. Oh, okay. So yeah. Anyway, so uh, what? Okay, read me what the comments are saying. There's, you know, it's just people. Um, we're excited to hear more about Queen of Shiva. Okay, Fana, I see you. <laughs> yeah, because you said something very outrageous to us in our group. So I mean, you could let them know while we wait for Uncle to come. You can even tell them. Oh, what we're we're starting off with controversy. Okay. I mean, you're well, pretty certain. Let Let's see. How do I frame this? in a way that's both quick and not super uh, controversial. Um, essentially, the Kebra Nagast, or the glory of the kings in English, is a, you know, in the scholarly point of view, is a fabrication from the Shoan kings who became kings in 1270 after the Zagwe dynasty was uh, overthrown. Mm -hmm. And it was used to justify their rule. I mean, you people probably just got so confused with what you said. Long story short, just, mm -hmm. that was intentional, right? Okay. Well, okay, I'll try to be as clear <laughs> as possible. Okay, okay. Anyways, we're not gonna let them know about that yet. We don't want. Them I to know that was a lot in a little bit of time. Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, just you try and request him the same way you requested me, because I don't know he's having issues. Okay, well, do you yeah, remember the app? Do you, um, do you remember who to send it to? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Okay, bye. See everybody in the comments. All right. We're going to try and get uh, Uncle in here. Yeah, if it doesn't work, I'll come back. Okay. Oh, there you go. I sent you the request, Uncle. Oh, look who it is. <laughs> what's going on? What's going on? What's up? Nothing. Alrighty. Oh, man. How's everything with you guys? <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to go over, like, I guess I'll call it our program. Um, it's nothing that crazy. I'm just going to go over the general history 
of Tigray, starting with like the, the pre-Aksumite pyramid period. Um, and then after that, I'm going to be answering um, some questions that we had uh, sent to United Tagaruv Canada. Just some brief uh, questions. And then if you have questions, uh, either type them in the chat or put them in the question box. And then me and uh, uncle will go from there. All righty. Okay, so starting from the beginning, we, there's uh, the earliest period of Tigrayan history is essentially a, a sort of unknown period. We don't know a lot about it. Um, and so this is roughly anything past 3,000 years ago. So anything beyond that, it's kind of hazy and we don't have a good idea of what was happening. We do know about the, the land of Punt. So I'm going to talk about that briefly. Um, so the land of Punt was referred to by the Egyptians and they would go there to go trade. And um, I think we have records of their trade with Punt from roughly 3,500 years ago to 2,800-ish. And they refer to it as God's land. We don't know exactly what they meant by that. But there's some speculation that when they said God land, God's land, it was like, you know, a sort of godly land or their, their, the land of their origins. That's what some people think. And um, the land of Punt was known for um, trading incense and ivory and all kinds of stuff to the Egyptians. And there's speculation um, that it was in modern day Tigray and Eritrea. And there's been different um, studies done. They did, uh, they, at some point, I think they found baboons, mummified baboons in Egypt. Uncle knows what I'm talking about already. Yeah. That were um, DNA tested and found to be more similar to the ones in Tigray and Eritrea rather than the ones in Somalia and Yemen, which were considered to be possible locations of Punt. And here's another really interesting thing. This is something I discovered that like blew my mind. So let me ask you, Uncle, have you ever heard of any sort of talk of snake worship in pre-Christian Tigray? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Yes. Sam, okay. <laughs> tell, tell us what you know. So um, the first story we hear uh, is with the Queen of Sheba story. Uh, of course, you know, that's very contested whether it's historical or not. But nevertheless, there's talk of uh, being descendants of the snake god. Um, but something a little more closer to natural history, we see with Awana Aragawi. So when Awana Aragawi goes to Devradamo, he's talking about the people that uh, in, the, in the area worshipping the snake. Uh, they call it Gabbal, which is a bigger snake to, to say the least. And also in many other parts of uh, Tigray as well. And uh, even with the image and the history of Awana Aragawi, you see the, the snake bringing Awana Aragawi up to the top of the mountain. And we kind of see this um, replication of the Abraham story of I don't worship the sun, but the God that worships, uh, the, but the God that created the sun. In the same way, we see Awana Aragawi saying, "I don't worship the snake, but the God that can command the snake." Uh, so we do, we do see it there. Um, and just to to tie into that, there's um, I think several records in the late eighth, ninth, and tenth centuries that show that priests were sent to modern day Tigray to exterminate the cult of the snake, is what they called it. The cult yeah. of the serpent. Yeah, that's it as well. And this is, this is what blew my mind. This is what I was talking about earlier. There's an old story. I think it's the oldest ancient Egyptian story ever written down. That's uh, and it's called the tale of the shipwrecked sailor. 
So it's the story of an Egyptian sailor who's sailing to go find, you know, goods and stuff like that. I'm being very brief with it. There's, it's a little bit more in depth, but um, he gets shipwrecked on an island. And eventually a giant serpent comes and helps him out and brings him food and stuff like that. And, you know, helps him survive on the island. Um, and eventually he's able to, you know, create a raft or something to get back to Egypt. And he tells the, the, the giant snake, thank you so much. You know, I, I would uh, love to go back to uh, my land in Egypt and tell the Pharaoh that you helped me and then, you know, he'll reward you. And the snake laughs at him and he says, I am the king of Punt and I am richer than anyone. I know, I'm going to show you this later. When I read this, I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. So we have records. We know there's, there used to be snake worship in Tigray. We know there's speculation that the land of Punt was in Tigray. And now we have an ancient Egyptian story that talks about an Egyptian sailor going to the land of Punt and meeting a giant snake that declares itself to be the king of Punt. So that's an interesting connection that we find. Um, is there anything you want to add before we, we move on to the next uh, section about this area, uh, Uncle? Yeah, just also with the, the, even to the way we dance today, we, mm -hmm. we make the same sound as a snake. So when we dance in Tigrinya, we say, Oh. So it kind of ties in with that as well. Interesting. Um, okay, so now we're going to get into, this is still ancient Preaxumite, but it's a little bit more defined. So this is the kingdom of, I'm calling it Diamat, but from what I've seen, there's no consensus on how it's properly pronounced because they only, they didn't have the vowels back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so they, it was a DMT and some people say Diamat, some people say Damat, but um, essentially, and again, I'm being very brief. The capital was likely Yeha. They worshiped Semitic gods, the chief one among them being Almaka. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. Um, and we don't know currently whether that kingdom um, ended or it evolved into Aksum or if it, if it turned into a smaller state that was absorbed into Aksum. We don't know. That period is very, very hazy. So that's really all we have for now. Um, Uncle, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, no, I, that's the spot on, spot on. So it's, it's really an unknown. But mm -hmm. we do understand that there are city-states and uh, even the very concept of uh, the Aurajas, we, we do see in the inscriptions. So, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. All right. So then the next period we get to is the Aksumite period. This period is like the opposite of the Diyamat period where there's almost too much information to get into. So we're going to be brief just because later on in the next uh, few lives we do, we'll, we'll go into more depth. But um, the accepted start date is 80 BCE. So that's before Common Era. So that's 80 years before, you know, year one, right? And then... Um, there's a lot of contention about when it ended, but people generally say 10th century, around 900 something. Um, so it started off as a kingdom that was heavily involved in trade. And it allowed that, that allowed it to expand and become one of the largest empires at the time in roughly the third, fourth century. So at the height of this, uh, the Aksumite Empire, it controlled modern day Tigray, Eritrea, parts of Sudan, Western Yemen, and parts of Saudi Arabia. And it controlled both sides of the Red Sea. Like if this is the Red Sea, and we have Tigray and Eritrea here, and Yemen here, if you wanted to travel, right, to India or China to get spices, you had to go through Aksum, and you had to pay your taxes, right? So that's why they were that powerful. Okay? 
And um, at different periods of time, you, we can see that they invaded what is modern day Yemen and conquered them and things like that. That's just sort of like the brief, very, very, very brief history of Aksum. Um, Uncle, anything interesting you want to add? Uh, yeah, just as you said, as you mentioned earlier with, uh, with Yaha and uh, Di'amat, mm -hmm. uh, we see the principal god that was uh, worshipped amongst the South Arabians also in, uh, in the area. And also during that period, you, still, you see the inscriptions of the same language, Sabayn. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm not really too sure how, that, how that's pronounced either. Some people say Sabah and, uh, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you do see like a cultural uh, back and forth between the two peoples. So yeah. that still continues even up until the Aksumite period. And just tying into that, I think Aksum converted to Christianity, one of the earliest nations to convert to Christianity. I think technically the Armenians have us beat. Yeah, by a few I years. By a few years. Yeah. yeah, but if it's and when you say a few, it's really like a few. It's like 10 or something, 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, and you can see that. It's really interesting. You can see that on the coinage of Aksums. We have coins where in Izana's reign, it, um, on one side, I don't remember what's on one side. I think it's a picture of wheat or something. Yeah, wheat I and the crescent wrong. moon. Yeah. Exactly. yeah and correct. the crescent moon. That's the religious um, symbol because we used mm -hmm. to worship moons and suns and stuff like that. Then once he converts to Christianity, we see that instead of the crescent moon, it's a cross. So we have actual proof of when uh, um, Aksum converted to Christianity. Um, okay, and then uh, roughly starting the 6th, 7th century, we see the Aksumite empire begins to decline. And there's many, many factors. So there's climate change, deforestation, the rise of Islam, all these sorts of things. Um, and then after that, we get a short dark age, and then we get the Zagwe dynasty. This is where things start to get a little bit interesting. So this period is also a little bit dark and hazy. Um, we know it started roughly the 10th century and was ended in 1270 by Yukuno Amlak. Um, there, there isn't a, a consensus on, on the rise of the Zagwe dynasty and where exactly they came from. There's different stories. I, I'd, I'd be glad to get into that at some point. Um, and what else? Yeah, there's not that much. The Zagwe were, just for those of you who aren't aware, actually, Uncle, do you want to tell them? Yeah, so the Zagwe dynasty was a, a Cushitic or Ago-speaking uh, dynasty that uh, maintained and retained the Aksumite culture, but um, didn't receive the acceptance of uh, not only the church, but the people as well. So you see Aksumites or the Tigrayans not accepting them as kings. The, even the Egyptian church not sending bishops because yep. they didn't see them as uh, being uh, true heirs of the, of the throne. Mm -hmm. um, although they are accredited with uh, the Lalibela churches and whatnot, the dating for those churches is, is still relatively unknown. Um, mm -hmm. But then the traditional history of the Zagwe dynasty is that you get this character, Mara Taklaimanoth, who, who marries the, 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 the last, I guess, daughter of the, the kings. I believe it was Dinnaur, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and um, claims the throne of uh, being uh, a descendant of Moses and uh, his, his Ethiopian wife. So that was, that was the claim to fame for the, the Zagwes. But uh, we're going to hear from you. Um, that's, that's exactly right. Awesome. Um, so then after that, in 1270, we get the Shawan dynasty also known as the Solomonica dynasty, who took power in 1270 through Yakuno Amlak. Um, and essentially, that's the, I don't know if everyone knows where Showa is today. It's like modern day 
Eastern Amhara. And so they took power and claimed to be the direct descendants of uh, the Aksumite Empire. I'm a little, you know, no, I'm not super convinced. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, <laughs> we don't need to get too deep into that right now. Yeah. Better not to. Better not to, for sure. I wish if you guys can put this on YouTube. That's a great idea, and that's probably something we should work on. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we can save this live if someone can. This is my first live ever, so I don't know how we'll do that. But if we can save this live somehow and, and maybe figure out what to do. Supposedly descendants, yes. Okay. Um, after that, that's roughly um, from the 1300s till now is there isn't really a name for it. Um, I, would, I would just call it, I guess, the medieval history of Tigray. And that's when Tigray's history is really um, interwoven with that of uh, Ethiopia. In the surrounding areas. That's when Tigray stops looking towards the Middle East and, you know, Sudan as um, its way of entering into the world and, and starts to sort of look southward and inward. Um, and there's a lot of interesting things that uh, uh, go on at that point. And I'm just going to list off a bunch of stuff and then, you know, uncle can go. So, you know, we have... Um, we have a rebellion. A lot of people don't know a rebellion in the 14th and 15th century that was squashed. We have a rebellion in the 13th century in Inderta, where the ruler of Inderta started calling himself the keeper of the whisks, essentially saying to the Shoan king, which is an old, old Aksumite title, and saying to the Shoan king, I don't believe in you. I don't know what you're on about. Sorry, that's my wire. My, my... Oh, no. No um, what else do we have? We have um, the Shoan uh, dynasty. Uh, going to war with the Sultanate of Adal had devastating war. We have the Oromo invasions. We have at a certain point called the Zemana Misafint, which means the era of the princes, which is very, very important. And we see different um, rulers from across Ethiopia, Tigray, modern day Amhara, modern day Oromia, um, fighting for power. And um, yeah, that's, again, very, very brief, because this period of, this is a thing that a lot of people don't realize. Our history is so interesting. It is so interesting. It's so rich. And the past just 700 years is kind of like our own personal Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's different houses and dynasties and marriages and old grudges and all kinds of stuff that this should all be. Like, I wish someone would write a book or something like that. But um, mm -hmm. is there anything else interesting about this period you'd like to share, uh, Uncle? Um, no, I mean, like, you hit all the major points. Uh, of course, the 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 fighting with the Shoans amongst uh, pretty much all sides of uh, Ethiopia, probably, uh, modern-day Ethiopia. The yeah. uprisings in Tigray going as far back as the 13th century till today, showing kind of like this uh, self-ruling culture of the Tigrayans. And, uh, and not really falling under the the titles of like the king of kings or and whatnot. You, you never really get a king of Tigray. There was never really a Nagus after the uh, Solomonic emperors. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of goes to show the um, the separation in terms of uh, of politics or, or rulership mm -hmm. or rulership uh, in the region. But yeah, yeah the, you, you hit everything on the on the bottom. And that's that's a great point that a lot of people don't realize is. Once the Shoan dynasty came into control, if you look at the history of Tigray, Tigray was largely autonomous, part of the Ethiopian empire, but not interfered with generally. 
uh, you know, the, the rulers of Tigray were always people from Tigray. There's only a handful of times in that time period where it was a non-Tigrayan who ruled. I think in the 19th century, Ras Wube Haile Mariam ruled Tigray in Semien. He was from, uh, I don't remember, somewhere in Amhara. I don't remember whether it's Gondar or Gojam. I think yeah, Gondar. Yeah, Northern Gondar. Northern Gondar. Northern Gondar, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's one other I'm forgetting. Oh, this is quite modern, and I think roughly around the time of World War One, nineteen fourteen ish. I don't know if you know the date. You can tell me. Mm. Um, Mikhail Ali of Wollo. Yes, yes, yes. Declared the king of Tigray. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the only two times, and both times mm. are not fondly remembered in Tigray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very mm. much so. Yeah. Okay, so for this next part. What I'm going to do is answer some questions. Um, we had a little story on United Tagaru of Canada um, asking if people wanted to uh, ask some questions. So there, I'm going to answer some of these questions and then uh, maybe Uncle can chime in and let us know because I'm going to be very brief because some of these topics are really wide. So some people wanted to know about, I, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, please correct me, Ras Sabagadis? Yeah, Deja Sabagadis. Deja Sabagadis who was, um, and I'm going to be very brief here, he was the Shum of Agame. Mm -hmm. I believe he was Irog. Was he not Irog? Yes, yes, he was. He was. Okay, he was Irog. Um, and he became the Shum of Agame after, uh, no, he became the warlord of Tigray after mm -hmm. Ras Walde Salase. Correct, correct, correct. In 1822, he made Adigrat's mm -hmm. capital. Mm -hmm. And his castle still, last time I was there was two, three years ago. His castle was still there. It's in very, very bad shape. People have yeah. taken the stones out of it to build their houses. Um, but he was one of the first Ethiopians to build friendly relationships with uh, Europeans because he understood kind of the dynamics going on at that time. Um, and he really, really wanted to remove the Yeju Oromo, the Yeju clans of Oromo, from power because they were in power uh, at that time. Mm. Um, and his descendants ruled Agame until the 1974 revolution. Any anything else you got? Yeah, very true. So also uh, with Dajat Wubi, uh, yeah, he's actually from Walkait. Uh, I mean, uh, we made a mistake. Wubi Halamariam. Wubi Halamariam, yeah, or from that okay. area. Um, mm. His his wife or, or one of his wives was the daughter of Dajat Sawagadis. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that that was quite interesting. And also he he ruled everything between uh, the the Red Sea and Gondar. Uh, mm -hmm. his, his power, his, yeah. his power in terms of that. Right before becoming crowned, or at least he, he tried to be uh, crowned king. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a church called Dereske Mariam uh, in mm -hmm. present-day Semen Gondar. And um, fortunately or unfortunately, yeah. what were we talking about? Uh, the Tigrinya originated from Akala Guzai and how it, how it kind of spread. Okay, so yeah. let's see. Let's let's give people like a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? Yeah, humans of Tigray goes on for like two hours or some stuff, and yeah, and get cut off at like what fifty minutes. Yeah. yeah. There was like they... a countdown, and I was yeah. like, "What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> no man, they don't want us to do this, man. They don't yeah, want exactly. <laughs> they figured out. Yeah. <laughs> Someone on Instagram is working for the other side. Oh yeah. <laughs> By the way, two great people that I seen in the comments: the Erich and Greer and uh, Henok Elias. Okay. Like 
both are very knowledgeable, very, very big on uh, the history, the knowledge of back home and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think they can uh, probably contribute in, in future episodes as well. Enoch Elias is is a diacon as well as a adeptara. Okay. Uh, very, very, very knowledgeable, especially in the church. Um, you know, he's serving in America. Mm-hmm. Erich and Greer, first and foremost, probably the great, the greatest person I've seen play Karar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's Canadian too. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything to do with back home culture, language, history, like he like he's definitely a lover of history as well, just like us. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and he he knows down to the sirat, like the way. So, like the way uh, people would govern themselves in uh, in Tigray and Eritrea, uh, for example, like in a given place, they'd have a, a certain way of giving land. Um, they had a, everybody had this weird clan system that we don't really talk about as Tigrayans mm-hmm. and Eritreans. So, in a, in a, for example, like in Agana, um, mm-hmm. many of us will say, "Oh, we're the Kasala Gadis. What the Kasala Gadis? The Shuma Agana." But there was actual clans that they would have to claim lineage to. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's like Shimkumulit, um, uh, which goes back to Maratakraimonos, right? If you go to uh, Ndabagarima, there's a, a person called Maasi Gurbab. So you would trace your lineage to that person. In Aksum, there's five clans. So in actual in Aksum, actually, if you are not from one of the five clans, you are not allowed to to have land. So mm-hmm. there's like Begio. Um, I forgot the other ones as well. I I only remember Begio only because uh, my mom is from that clan. Uh, okay. I don't, uh, so many of the Nebra'id are actually from uh, from like Hatzawa, uh and Diosus and all these areas. Uh, and yeah, so like each and every area, they kind of had their own clan system that kind of died off now because we kind of stepped away from that. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. My mom was telling me, my mom and my dad, she told me she's from Agame. My dad is from Adwa. And she told me when they went to Adwa, my grandpa knew my mom's family. Mm-hmm. That's like the you know how people don't realize this back in the day. I saw something. What was it on? Someone was saying something that, um, oh, you gotta check to make sure if you're not cousins in case you, if yeah. you get married. And I was like, oh no 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 no. In our culture, mm-hmm. they check before you get married seven generations back. Yeah. And what they used to do apparently I think was like twelve just for the heck of it to mm-hmm. make sure you're from a bad family. Yeah yeah but, yeah yeah yeah. You know. <laughs> Or even uh, what they would do is, um, what was I going to say? Um, like everyone in everyone, uh, you must have. Some... So you, you see, we see evidence of this in the linguistic uh, example. They'll say stuff like Haji, he, um, a lot of the, a lot of their culture is very much related to Sarai. Uh, a lot more to like areas like Dembalas and whatnot. Even areas like when you go to Badaman, just in that surrounding area, Shararo. Uh, and whatnot, they're very much um, culturally more similar to uh, to that's found in Ersha than, say, places like Tembian, Meravaizana, and so on and so forth. But yeah. I'm sure. I was just going to say, um, what we know about the Tigray Makonnen in, in Medri Bahari, so the, 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 the kingdom, the sea kingdom, that's what the translation is, um, they don't necessarily translate to modern day Tigray and Eritrea exactly. So the boundaries of the two were fluid and parts of what we would call Tigray today could at certain times be part of the Medri Bahari and vice versa. So they, they were constantly shifting and moving and there's times where the Medri Bahari 
extended almost entirely around Tigray and vice versa. So they were fluid in, before modern history, let's put it like that, before uh, the Italian colonization of uh, Eritrea. Um, all right, let's go. Oh, this is a weird one. Is it true there's an underground tunnel from Aksum to Asmara? I've never heard this before. Uh, <laughs> there are underground tunnels. They do go to random areas. So there's some in Dabagarima, in Aksum, in Akalubuzai, in places like Abelo Kalo, Metara, Kwahito. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Even uh, even Wuro, the name Wuro comes from Wakara. Uh, Wakara would mean to, to dig into the rock. Okay. So so we, there there are tunnels that go from many places. People say some funny things like going up to Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but definitely going from like neighboring areas for sure. You know what's funny? I just realized I have heard of this. I think I just talked to him about my dad with this last week. He said, um, "There's, there's." He found a tunnel in his the Segli in the region near him, and um, a cave. Sorry, and it they like went really deep. They said they went like you know uh, maybe a few hundred meters. And they found bodies and stuff, old, old bodies mm. and different stuff. And then they went further. They found even more, like not bodies from now, like old, but, old bodies. And eventually mm. they got scared and they had to come back. And they said they weren't sure it was safe, which is true. Because if you go deep in caves, there's parts where there's like no oxygen and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. there's all kinds of unexplored stuff. So that's, yeah, an interesting question. Um, oh, okay. So this one's for you. Can you talk about the liturgical school Debra Abai? Debra Abai. So Debra Abai is actually probably the most rigorous uh, school for Kandasi. Mm-hmm. Um, some controversy was found there. So uh, in Kandasi Exi, when the priest, um, r- before the invocation of the Holy Spirit, we see, I believe it's called the Epiclesis. We see mm-hmm. that uh, the priest will say in Kandasi Exi, will say, this is a uh, misali. Versus Ba'aman. So Misali meaning as an example. But this is theologically incorrect. But uh, nevertheless, the school, school of thought of the Devrabai or the chanting is a lot longer. It has its own, um, we call it was. Uh, so it, it, it's much more beautiful, uh, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's elongated. So when something would be normally short in Dugwa. So for example, we have in Zenesegenulechi which is very common. Um, in Dugwa, we would say, But in Dabra we would say, So things are meant to be elongated. Um, it started with two, uh, two scholars, Abba Garachidan and Abba Gaur Maram Surafi. Abba Garachidan was uh, a scholar of Dugwa. Zamari Muasif and um, other chants as well. Abagar Maram Surafi, same thing. But Abagar Maram said that the liturgy should be said in a much more beautiful tone, not just dryly as Dugwa. So the Tachibet and the Laibet have this, uh, not a feud, but uh, a difference in chant. Um, after Gabar Maram Surafi, he had a, a big student named Yanata Ihualashat. So Yanata Ihualashat, in name, translates it from Amharic to um, we'll give fruit after. So at the time, Yanis Awalashat only had very few students. But now, majority of uh, monks throughout Ethiopia, especially in Tigray, will study in the Tachibet versus the Laibet. 
Okay. Um, so even for example, when we say Malka Qurban, uh, in Laibit, they would it would be very short. So they would say Salam alaychi zanisagilulaychi Maryam minna sabkuachi Marwin awi tamayt anachi bentana inachi wayache mahuchi mahabrane yom dingelwarechi. But as in Tajbit, we would say Salam alaychi. In Zanisagilulaychi, <laughs> But these two things have the same notation. The notation is the same, but the way it's chanted, one is obviously elongated and makes it sound more longer. Um, and when when Yanita Hualesh had passed, um, he had many other students as well. Controversy is that in uh, Adwa Nabagarima, Devradamo, and Aksumandatskin actually had a prohibition against the, the Tachbit as well as. Uh, because they had this uh, that part in the liturgy saying Bamisali. So they would actually fight each other uh, using prayers. <laughs> so so a common one would uh, would be like example in Abba Garima and Aksumtian. We would say uh, in the just before like the communion is given amongst the priests and deacons, they would say um Chant of translates that this is uh, what we're eating is not simple bread and wine, but it's uh, it's the fire uh, of the Godhead. Which is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, also, um, this is not just a simple example of uh, of bread and wine, but it's it's something more, and so on and so forth. There's ma- many other things where they kind of do this back and forth, but ultimately, uh, under Awana Paulus, um, there was a, a mistarik, so a reconciliation between the two groups. So now you see a lot more people learning Devra by Kedasi. And um, yeah, it, it's it's a lot more newer compared to say Devra Livanos or uh, Sadat Kula. Sadat Kula was the original Kdase uh, used for many centuries, but uh, it is very rigorous. Devra Abaya takes about three years to learn, versus Sadat Kula, which is maybe ten months. Um, and and yeah, there, there, there's a strong development even till today. It's uh, from person to person, it can sound a little bit different only because it's your order to. Um, to add your own flavor to the, the liturgy. So, that's wow. about it. That was super interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, right. oh, okay, here's an interesting question. Um, I've heard some stuff about this. One person wants to know, aren't Deftaras bad? <laughs> tec- tec- te- technically, the, the word Deftara can come mm-hmm. from two meanings. One meaning, a learned scholar. Another meaning a priest who would serve in the tent of the, the Ark of the Covenant. So, um, even in Udasi Maram, we see anti utu deptera Christos. So, it's like um, Christ being the kind of like this Ark symbol, and then the St. Mary being the tent, or St. Mary being the tent, and the Christ being the, uh, the Ten Commandments. 
Uh, so devtara means tents. So the, the priest that would serve in the tents where the ark would travel would be devtaras. So it's not bad, but generally the uh, the, pop, the population has looked at devtaras as being uh, these witchcraft or sorcerers of sorts. Just what Sabu just said, yeah, black magic. Yeah. That's what yeah. I heard as well when I was in Tigray. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 not true. It's it's just kind of like um, fear to the unknown. Mm -hmm. Like example, people in Aksum are known to be this quote-unquote Buddha. <laughs> Only because, uh, but it, they say that because the people in Aksum are actually very skilled in, in the arts. So handcrafts, uh, whether it's shakla, warki, um, dress, like yes. the clothing and all. There's because they were... Abib. Abib, exactly. So they just looked at it, oh, they are able to do other things. And there are people who, who, who follow or practice black magic um, throughout Ethiopia, be it Ereshat, Tigray, Gondar, Amhara, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. But it um, comes from lack of knowledge. So mm -hmm. people who are predominantly illiterate would not know what's in these books. And then you also have the, the small group of people who do practice black magic. But for the most part, the Deftaras are just educated people, people who, who are well-learned. Okay, that's interesting because I, I heard the similar thing. Um... Let's see. Uh, what was the name this is, of the book that Uncle showed us earlier? I don't know what they're talking about. Oh, the uh, Encyc Encyclopedia Ethiopica. So we have it right here. Okay. But there's, oh, yeah, I think, five. five uh, is it five? or? There's multiple volumes. I don't yeah. remember how many. And they're kind of expensive. It's like oh, yeah. my dream to, to try oh, and get as many of them as I can. Oh, yeah. And Amazon doesn't have all of them. Only a handful. Oh. I, I've waited for like a year. I just got it maybe a month or two. Ago, oh, you're so, so lucky. But just the one. I'm still working on it. I'm still, still trying okay. to get as much as I can. Let's see. Um, uh, oh, this is a... Fana wants to know, can you let us both know how you're, you're both so wise and what got you into history? What about you? You let us know. Uh, well, for me personally, um, it first started with my love for the church. Mm -hmm. So going to church, it, it kind of provoked me to learn more about the history of the church, which in turn becomes the history of Ethiopia. So I like to say this to a lot of people, whether it's, it may be inconsiderate, but without the church, there's no Ethiopian history. Without Ethiopian history, there's no church. It's very much intertwined uh, with the conversion of Izana, Nugus Bazin, um, the nine saints and all these things it, it kind of intertwines itself so with my, my search to learn more about the church since most of the priests don't speak English um, it caused me to, uh, to want to learn more uh, I have Rastafarians I have to think because they kind of provoke me to learn like oh you're Ethiopian you know you should know your history so when I seen them they would have the flag with red yellow green but I've always known it to be green yellow red in terms of order and then I came to realize or find out that uh, Atze Johannes, uh, when, when he would fight and the, the bandera that he would have, the, the first uh, Ethiopian flag would be red, yellow, green. So that, I found that is interesting. I uh, started de the digging more and more. And my love first three kind of developed from that. Also, shout out to, to, to Fana. Uh, it's thanks to her I got to go to Aksum and study in Aksum. Uh, oh, okay. if, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have got the opportunity, ultimately speaking. So big thanks to her, uh, big inspiration. Also, people like uh, Samuel, Samuel Gabru in America, 
Uh, I've known him for like tw- uh, 10 years. And he's, he's always pushing me to learn, always pushing me to, to be more proactive. Although I haven't been thus far, but um, I'm definitely going to start a little, a little more than, than before. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. For me personally, it was just like I've always been interested in history and I started looking stuff up online and I couldn't find anything. Actually, I remember in high school, my mom would always tell me stories. And she would tell me about this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I mean, surely there's got to be something more. And I took world history in high school. And it was basically just European history. And I was like, what is this? What's going on? But you you can't just do white people history again. At least give Mm -hmm. me some China. Give me some India. Some nuts. And I asked, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be specific and ask, why is there nothing about Ethiopian history? Because I was taught to be very proud of my culture. Mm -hmm. So I asked, why is there nothing about African history? And the lady said, well, uh, the teacher, she said, well, African history is oral. So it wasn't written down. And I went, hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know any better, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's not right. So I went to our library in our school in Mississauga. Mm-hmm. And there was an African history section that was small, but had books like this thick. And not yeah. even just about Ethiopia, about like Ghana, Senegal. And I'm like, okay, something's not right here. Uh, yeah. So I slowly started to do my own research, but in my teenage years, you know, I was young. I didn't really care that much. I was just trying to have fun. And then maybe the past four years or so, I got really interested. And even Googling isn't enough, really. You can't just go on Wikipedia. You know what I mean? For yeah. most countries, you can just go on Wikipedia. and they have the, For us, if you go on Wikipedia, you'll get like, maybe it's a little bit better now. Um, yeah but you'll get like what uh, used to be called the Hamitic hypothesis. Have you heard of that? Mm. So the idea is that because we're black people in Africa, we can't create anything. So everything that we have came from civilian people from Yemen, because obviously these black people can't do anything. And that sort of colored everything about our history. So I had to really dig deep to find all of this stuff that I know. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. I had to go into academic because the past 30 years or so, academia has gotten much better when it comes to Tigray, mm-hmm. Aksum, Ethiopia. Yeah. But yeah, that's where I came from. Just, just wanting to know and not having the information freely available. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's not, that's why if you don't know and you're in the audience and you're going, I don't know this stuff, it's okay. You, it, It's very, very difficult to find this information. Um, so let's see, what's the next one? Oh, okay. This is an interesting one. What's the difference between a Buddha and Deki Hiderta? I don't know what a Deki Hiderta is, yeah. but you go, you go first and I'll tell you afterwards what I think I know. I'm not sure how right I'll be. Well, as from what I know about Buddha, it's uh, this evil eye that people can be, bo- can be born with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's hereditary, but I, I mean, to be honest, I've never seen it, so I don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, the other thing, I, I've never heard it before, actually. So I've never heard of Deki if you can explain to us what you think it is, um, Fabu, in the chat. What I've heard about Buddha, basically the same thing, evil eye. Um, it's connected to craftsmen people. What I've read, and I've heard the same thing from my mom and my dad, was in Tigray, before Dargi, in the Haile Selassie's time and before that, um, there was multiple classes. So there was the nobility, commoners, and then there was the Abib, so people who did crafts, um, people who worked with iron, uh, blacksmiths, 
people who did stuff like that were considered lower class and you would never marry them. Then below that, it was obviously slaves. And what I've read online is there's a lot of connection between um, Buddha, Jews, and, and Agao people. Not necessarily saying they're the all same, but there's sort of connections mm-hmm. between them. And you even see that with Yodit, where some people will say she's a Jew, some people will say she's Agao, some people will say she's both, and some people, I've heard some people say she's Buddha, whatever. Um, and I've also, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, in, I, I know what they call it in Amharic, I don't know in Tigrinya, Yesojib. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. what people also called, when I was a kid, that's what they called Buddha as well. They called mm-hmm. Yesojib Buddha. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically like a were hyena, mm-hmm. like a person who can turn into a hyena, and mm-hmm. supposedly they're connected to the Buddha. Have you heard of that? Yeah, so especially places like Yaha, Aksum, Dabarwa, they're known for like, oh, you're so jib, or like a nice jib. So, uh, like they'd be normal people like me and you. But then, lately, lately, or at night, they would turn into uh, ziri or hyenas. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel, I feel like it's like a kind of just a superstition, yeah, something. It's nothing serious. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, though, people were. I lived for two years, um, so I, I'm, I'm accidentally clicking on things. I'm trying to like read everything everyone's saying. When I was a kid, I lived in Addis for two years from 11 till 13. You know when um, you're a kid and you're misbehaving and your parents say, I'm going to send you to Ethiopia if you had a bad yeah, 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 yeah. They actually did it to me. They sent me to Ethiopia. Yes. And I lived in Addis oh, for two years. Mm-hmm. And I remember at night at one point, um, they were telling stories. They were like telling us, yeah, they caught a, they caught a werehaina, they caught a Buddha. And he said, there's hundreds of us and we're going to take over. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. what is it? <laughs> Why aren't more people talking about this? This seems like a serious mm. issue. I really believe it was real. Mm. Um, okay, so let's see. Let's go to a new question. Um, okay, I don't know what this means. I think you will. Mm-hmm. Didn't Zera Yaakov invent Zena? Zema? Zena? Zena? How would you spell it? It's Z-E-N-A, but maybe it's Zema, like you're saying. I don't okay. know if you can... Yeah, no, uh, Zema initially was obviously created by Kudus Yared. Uh The notation is obviously... Um, it's contested. It, it is contested whether it was made uh, by St. Yared or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot uh, what some of the things people point towards is that the, the notations are actually Amharic words. So, for example, Hidat to simply go use it to hold mm-hmm. um i'm not too sure if that's a, an actual like has any meaning um to kind of go up mm-hmm. so I, a lot of the words that do have um amharic origins so the notation could have been developed uh at a later date uh, the book though uh is, is ultimately saying yeah from the fifth, uh, fifth and sixth century Okay. Uh, we know this because in Nabagarima, there's a Metzafadugwa without any notation. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, Metzafadugwa, that goes back to the 6th century. Uh, as well as in, um, I forgot the monastery. There's another monastery in which there's a Dugwa. I believe it's a Gundagundra, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, so, so you mean, said 6th century? Yeah. The, at least the Metzafadugwa. So the Zema, the chant and, and whatnot. Uh, another thing too is that um, the traditional scholars, so the, there was four... Um, Head uh, head schools of thought for uh, Dugwa. Mm-hmm. 
one in Dabagarima, one in Aksum, one in Debredamo, and another in Eltra at Debresina. Mm-hmm. I think at the time it was called Debresinhit. Uh, but these would be the four main schools of thought. The four students of St. Yarda traveled to these places and remained. Uh, St. Yarda obviously was with uh, Awanaragawi for most of his time, also with Awanagarima. Large portions of Dugua are for the nine saints, as well as saints that were there at the time. So Abba Yohani, um, who has a monastery both in Tanbian and in Ansawa, in Erta. Uh, Abba Liwanos, which is in Ham, which is uh, in Erta as well. Uh, and there's a few others as well. So, of course, maybe the, the Milikat could have came at the time of the Zara'akob. There's no real way to tell. So... Mm-hmm. It's it's anyone's guess, but Zema was not created by uh, Zerayakov, not at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. Okay, this is an interesting one. Um, the word Tigrinya does it have any correlation to the to Tirgta or heartbeat? Our music does sound like a heartbeat. Um. Uh, what would you say? Um, <laughs> unlikely, but it's. Yes. I like that. I like that thought process, though. That's the way yeah. you should be thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not really getting into modern stuff, guys. We're trying to just yeah. share some knowledge. We're not. We don't really want to get too deep into politics, modern day politics, especially. Um. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I don't know exactly what this means. Any info about King Ramhai and the obelisk and coins found? Thanks. From Ramhai. Have you heard of King Ramhai? Yeah, so King Ramhai, he has a... Uh, as a haulti, it's pretty much destroyed. And there's like a, like almost like a measuring stone in the area. I want to say it's right behind the haulti. That's like the major, major haultis. But it's off to the side. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he was there before uh, Izara, but I'm not too sure, so I wouldn't be able to to say for sure. Okay. Um, here's a great one from Afro Samurai Eleven: History of Medri Bahari, Agazian, Ras Wilde Michael. So that's that's a bunch of topics. We've already kind of touched on Medri Bahari. Here's a really interesting one I love to talk about. What do you know about Agazi? Okay. So the, the Agazi people were actually the uh, the main uh, the people of the uh, the Aksumite uh, Empire. Uh, the Aksumites called the, their own land Bihera Agazi or Midra Agazi, Midrgiz. So this includes, of course, modern-day Tigray, northern Gondar, northern Wollo, as well as uh, Eritrea. Uh, specifically, the Tigrinya-speaking Highlanders and the the Tigra. Um, the, of course, these people go as as far north as parts of Sudan, but um, ultimately speaking, the Bihar Agazi would be the land of the Tigrinya and Tigra-speaking people. Yeah, exactly. And if you mm-hmm. see the inscriptions they have in Giz, there's yeah. ones they say where I am the king of the Gaza people. Exactly. Um, in Yaha, yeah. The, an interesting thing about the Agazian word or Agazi is um, I have a suspicion that the root of the word is very productive, meaning it has different uh, words that are based off of it. So uh, 